Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. For all things ATL, ATL, for everything Falcons. First to the end zone, touchdown! This is Peachtree Football. Now, your host, Dylan Matthews and Bo Morgan. What's going on, everybody? It is your boy, Dylan Matthews, alongside the man, the myth, the legend himself, Bo Morgan, and we are Peachtree Football. Make sure you guys like this podcast, download the podcast, subscribe to Peachtree Football wherever you get your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on the Odyssey app. We are wherever you get your podcast. It is a Wednesday, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. So we got a show right here before Thanksgiving. But guess what? Peachtree Football, we're so good, we don't miss a beat. We're just, you know, we're going to have our Thanksgiving and we're still going to come back and talk to you on Black Friday. But we got a whole episode to get into today. But before that, Squid Billy, what's going on, my man? Are you preparing your stomach for what it's about to indulge in tomorrow when we talk about Thanksgiving? Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I went to, you know, I already went to the gym, got, you know, I doubled up on body go. parts this week. So, um, yeah did back and buys today so i guess that'll you know normally after i do back i'm pretty hungry so yeah. maybe i should have waited to tomorrow morning but i don't like going to the gym on a holiday morning it's normally pretty packed so yeah i'm i'm as getting prepared as you can get i guess i mean you know i think <laughs> it's uh it's another day where i'm just gonna watch football and argue with family members which is pretty normal so there you go. I mean, you know, not 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 too far out of the status quo when you talk about a regular day. But uh, no, but we 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 have we have a we have an interesting game to talk about, and we have some unfortunate news to get to as well. So we'll actually open up with the unfortunate and the bad news first before we get into some not so bad news. But Kyle Pitts placed on the short term IR, so he's going to miss at least the next four games. Uh, I don't believe they the the Falcons have come out and said exactly what his injury is. I might have missed it, so correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but the the belief is, and it's rumored to be that he has a grade two MCL sprain. Well, we know it's an MCL. That's right. We, we know that. And in 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 an MCL, you know, a, with a ligament a sprain is a slight tear. Um, And it's been reported that it would appear based on, and, and I give, I want to give D or Orlando Ledbetter uh, some credit. He, Mm -hmm. um, he sat down with a, um, with Dr. Carlos Uquilas, um, who's an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar Sinai and in Los Angeles. And 
based on the timeline that the Falcons have given, which is putting him on the short on the IR, which uh, they did not designate, so which means it should be short term. That means it looks like it's a two. It's a grade two because a grade one usually you're out two weeks. A grade right. three is six to eight weeks, um, and a grade two is two to four weeks. So this mm-hmm. would appear that this is the grade two. Obviously, um, if it is the grade two, maybe he's out a couple of weeks, and then boom, he's you know he's he's kind of he's rehabbing, he's ready to come and he come off, and he kind of comes off the IR a lot like uh Cordero did where as soon as he's off he's playing the next week so that seems to be what we're looking at um optimistically and I will say that an MCL sprain um like this is not something that you necessarily need surgery for it normally heals pretty much on its own yeah and um you know it, it 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 basically the MCL is the connection between the femur and the tibia um the thigh bone and the shin bone. So it prevents okay. it from angling out when you put stress on it. So it kind of um, is, uh, you know, keeps your, your knee in place. Look at Dr. Squid Billy. I mean, he broke it down. I mean, he connected the ligaments to the bones. And I mean, he, Dr. Squid Billy got a little, uh, little thing going, got, he, he broke it down pretty well, but I do want to ask this Bo. Does, does it seem like, the Falcons potentially dodged a bullet with that injury because I mean when you when you saw the end of what happened it uh, it looked nasty I mean it was helmet straight into the knee of Kyle Pitts which it, it hyperextended at that point so uh it, it looked pretty gruesome and, and for it to potentially only be a grade two uh, MCL sprain that we're looking at him only missing you know hopefully four weeks that looked like it was it was pretty we, – we dodged a bullet. I mean, wh- what do you think about that? You think we dodged a bullet when it comes to the, the Falcons and Kyle Pitts dodged a bullet a little bit there? I well, mean, I'm yeah. just not getting the time, but – No, yeah. You, they, they look, there's a lot of truth to that. Let's get – let's get – before – yes, he did – they did dodge a bullet um, hmm. because that's a scary injury. Anytime a helmet goes into a knee that's um, planted, yeah, that, that can be uh, a lot of different things, you know. Uh, everyone immediately goes to an ACL Correct. and, and that is an injury that is not so easily recoverable. Um, that is an injury that takes surgery. I've, I've gone through it. Um, yeah. you know, meniscus is or something in there. Meniscus would have been something that would have been probably two to four weeks as well. Um, if he had yeah. torn that, but that would have required some surgery minor, according who you ask but for everything i've seen now meniscus on its own is, is minor but yeah they absolutely dodge a tear also i mean scare also i want to i want to i've heard some things written and said and yes. they're very disturbing to me oh and i okay. and that is that marcus mariota is to blame for kyle pitt's injury and i want to set the record what? straight here yeah i mean they look people talk that people that it, you know that oh he threw the ball and he, we shouldn't have thrown the ball where he did. For the record, um, the throw was on target and hit Kyle in stride. Kyle took two, three, maybe even four steps, strides, whatever you want to call them, before Eddie Jackson um, launched into his knee. Uh, this wasn't. I also don't want to call it a dirty hit either. I want to no. be real honest and up front this was a football play 
And it was an accurate on-target throw, which accurate and on-target is the same thing pretty much. But it was an accurate (laughs) on-time, on-target throw to Pitts, Mm -hmm. who caught it in stride, running out of a little – Little slant, little angle route, whatever you want to call them, you know, uh, wasn't really a, I mean, wasn't really a crossing route because a crossing route is a lot of flatter route, but that was in you know, a little slant route, um, deep slant, whatever you want to call it, and it was, uh, everything was fine, and Kyle caught it in stride and took three, four steps before he was hit, but to that point, I don't believe it was a dirty play either because Eddie Jackson is only, you know, he's a six foot. 200 pound defender, 205 pounds, trying to hit a six, you know, take down a six, six, 250 pound guy. And right. the NFL is basically, they've now we're in this thing where, hey, you can't hit high. So Eddie Jackson hit low. I don't believe Eddie went for his knee. I think Eddie was trying to cut his legs more, you know, and when you cut a guy's legs, you're below the knee, uh, yeah. which is a dangerous play as well. Um, or maybe hit him. You know, in the in the upper the thigh, maybe get a helmet on that thigh. I think it was that was actually more more about where Eddie Jackson actually hit him was a little bit above the knee. It was more about that foot was planted when yep. he hit him. And look, I, I wish they you didn't hit guys low, but I, I also know that this is a product of the NFL now, where yes. you're you're getting you're getting you're paying coming out of your pocket to hit if you hit guys high and a penalty. Yep. Um, and then, and some guys have been ejected for these kind of hits. Uh, and so the, the reaper, you know, the, the fallout from that is that, you know, for the repercussion, if you want to say is, is that guys hit low and this is what yep. happened. And I, I just, I'm not going to sit here and blame anyone. To me, this was a football play. And I think, Kyle Pitts would tell you that. I know that they barked at Eddie Jackson on the sideline, and rightfully so. I love that. By the way, I did the same thing. I'd have been yeah. blank, blank, and Eddie Jackson too if I was on the on the field as a Falcon player. Yeah. That being said, Eddie Jackson and 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 guys all around the league, AJ Terrells, Jalen Hawkins, our own guys. You know, think about our own guys, um, D. Alford and Isaiah Oliver and Darren Hall and uh, Richie Grant. They, they, they don't have a big lot of there's not a lot of wiggle room anymore for these guys right. so you've 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 condensed what they can hit and this mm-hmm. is a product of it so i just wanted to say that to like you know because i i think sometimes football happens and to me yeah. this kyle pitts injury which we did dodge a scare on it was a it's football happening and um it's it's okay it's part of the yeah. game, and everyone that plays it and watches it knows that. Exactly. You, you said it beautifully. The The NFL, and, you know, I'm not necessarily mad at the NFL either, but, you know, with the extra repercussions they have taken to protect players and, you know, their, their brains and their heads and, you know, how they try to limit concussions, they have, like you said, they have narrowed the strike zone on where defenders can hit offensive players. And if you're going for the head these days, like you said, it's a penalty. It's a fine that you have to pay. So at this point, defenders are left with not a lot of options, just like you said, and they have to go low. And again, it's the unfortunate thing about it. It's football. You are bound to get injured at some point. I mean, 
you know, knock on wood, pray to the man above that it doesn't happen. But at some point, it's going to happen. And again, we should look on the bright side and say, you know, it, thankfully, he didn't tear anything. Well, he, he slightly tore his, tore his MCL, but he's going to miss hopefully just four weeks and he'll be back. And that's that's a that's a good thing. If you were talking about what, what it could have been um, for the Atlanta Falcons and Kyle Pitts. So and again, uh, with moving at full speed and trying to hit a guy that's also moving at full speed and trying to get away from you, it gets tough. So it, it again, like you said, football happens. So um, unfortunately for Kyle Pitts, he's going to miss the next four games. And unfortunately for the Atlanta Falcons, he's going to miss the next four games. So um, before we move on here, because we actually do have a little bit of breaking news I want to get into, but I want to close the book on the, the Kyle Pitts situation first by asking you this. How is this, obviously this is going to hurt the Atlanta Falcons on the football field as far as playing the game, you know, their game plan on offense and what they want to do. But how much exactly, let's let's dive into just exactly how this is going to hurt the Atlanta Falcons because, you know, People might see this and might think, oh, well, they weren't throwing to him anyway. Like he wasn't doing anything this year anyway. That's ludicrous because it's not even about the fact of whether how much Kyle Pitts was getting the ball, how much he wasn't getting the ball. That doesn't that's literally doesn't even matter when you have a guy like Kyle Pitts on the field. Defenders have to pay attention to him. It's kind of like when we had who even though who Jones would be a little nicked up sometimes going out there just having him on the field would pay so much dividends because you if he was on the field, you had to give him respect and you had to put one, maybe even two defenders on him. It's the same thing with Kyle Pitts. So it's going to hurt in the fact that you can't have the same game plan. You can't scheme up the same things. Maybe you can't scheme certain guys open when Kyle Pitts isn't on the field. And now more attention is going to get paid to Drake London. Maybe even more attention is going to be able to get paid to Alameda Zacchaeus and other guys like that too. So how exactly does this hurt the Atlanta Falcons as far as being on the field and X's and O's go, Bo? Well, look, first and foremost, um, anytime you have a guy like Kyle Pitts on, on, yep. the, on the field, it, it, it changes your defense. So right. you have to, you know, when more than anybody else, when you have a Kyle Pitts step on the field, um, it, it, it changes. It changes things. You have to account for him. Every time that guy's on the field, you have to have eyes on him, account for him. And look, you can say, sure, you got to account for everybody, but not like you do right. when when there's a when there's a special player on the field. Regardless if he's gotten the ball as many times as our fantasy teams uh, would like, <laughs> or if you uh, you think him being out there is it was you know go back to the old adage of you know uh, Julio Jones. Whenever Julio was out there, you had to account for him. Some and, and, and a lot of times with two two different people. Um, we've seen a lot of times they, these guys have doubled or tried to play a bracket style coverage against Kyle Pitts. Um, so immediately now the defense doesn't have to worry as much, so they can pay more attention to the run game. And this is a defense that that's gonna uh, and, and you know before we get in our first look, this is a defense that wants to get after you know that that can get after you up front. They've yeah. got some guys. They've got some. This is a a front uh, front four, a lot a lot more like the one in Carolina that's gave us problems. They've got two big mm -hmm. space eaters. Now, look, this defense has given up over 100 yards a game. They're actually one of the better run defenses in the league. But that it helps. It, it just 
basically, one less weapon means one less thing their defense has to account for. Now, the good right. thing is, is we have CP back. And Cordero Patterson, with with how Huntley and Algier have played this year, without Cordero on the field, mm-hmm. this gives you uh, basically – Patterson can kind of play some of the, the role in some ways that 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 Pitts has. Now, look, he's not a tight end, but so you're not going to line him up in those situations. But when you wanted to line Kyle up in the slot or maybe that outside, you can do that with Cordero. He's big enough. Yep. God knows he's fast enough. And, he, and he, <laughs> he can run every route on the tree because this guy played receiver. So that really um, – that's really a big – a big coup or a feather in their cap that they do have Patterson back and he can do some of those things uh, when it comes to the non tight end things. But Kyle's a guy who's, right. who's became a better blocker this year. He's added that to his element. Um, and it, it just takes away another, and another, another weapon, another red zone weapon. It's another thing. Kyle has got, I know he's only got three touchdowns in his career, but two of those have came this year and they've right. been in the red zone uh, in, in goal to go situations. So that being said, he's his size and strength and ability and has really came in where there. And by the way, let's let's talk about it. You want to talk about scheming um the touchdown last week that Drake London called. Yeah. That play kind of looked like it was dialed up where the 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 first read was Kyle Pitts. And because mm-hmm. Kyle was in on that play and running a route, you had to pay attention. So that attention um allowed Marcus to roll out and Drake to come open on that back line and, and follow his quarterback and boom, you created a play. Now I'm not saying that was all because Kyle's on the field, but it started there and, right. and because they're not going to leave a guy like Kyle and Marcus scrambled, um, you know, Drake was able to, to, to come open. So look, it, you never, anytime you lose a big, a big play guy, big bodied receiver with speed like that, it uh it hurts your offense, but now the Falcons have still got to figure out a way to capitalize on a stack box without him there. So I wonder if we don't see more out of Cordero, um, in some some of those split wide situations that we've seen Kyle this year. That's a very good point that you make about Cordero Patterson. I didn't even think about the fact that he could really come in and play receiver and kind of like you said play that role. So that's a very interesting point that you make about. Cordell Patterson. And real quick, before we go to our first look, speaking of Cordell Patterson, I just came through that he has been named the NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. So I do want to give congratulations to Cordell Patterson there. And I mean, obviously, you know, who else are you going to give the award uh, this week besides Cordell Patterson? I mean, 103 kickoff, uh, re- kickoff return for a touchdown. And uh, he, with that kickoff return for a touchdown, his ninth of his career broke the end. Well, he already had a share of it, but now he's uh, he has that NFL record all by himself. So Cordell Patterson should have been and is now officially the uh, special NFC special teams player of the week. So shout out to Cordell Patterson there. And yeah, hopefully we can uh, we, we can we see him a little bit more in, in the passing game, because like you said, he can definitely play that kind of Kyle Pitts esque Kyle Pitts esque role. But. As we talk about that, Bo, and what the Falcons could do without their time with Kyle Pitts, let's get into the first game they're going to have to play without Kyle Pitts this season against the Washington Commanders as we take our first look. And you talked about it, Bo. This this uh, this front this front four that they have 
with Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen. I believe uh, is is Bostic a linebacker? Or he is he on the ground uh, too? No, Jonathan Bostic is. I'm very familiar with John Bostic because he played at Florida um, okay. uh, back in the day. But Bostic is your 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 middle linebacker. Um, middle linebacker. Okay, he's and he and uh, he's a guy that has been in the league for a while. Um, he's obviously played a little bit more with Cole Holcomb uh, being yep. a little bit banged up, but but Bostic's Bostic's an older guy now in the league. I right. mean, he's, this is his tenth year. Um, you know, just like David, uh, you know, David Mayo is a guy that's been around for a few years, but really, uh, with their defense, it, it all starts up front. Like uh, this, this D de- I've, I've heard things about how this is one of the best defenses you're going to play. I, I really don't think, uh, and I want to pull some numbers here. So hang with me, but Uh-oh, pull him. He's pulling the numbers. Like they say on Dukes and Bell, look at the numbers. Well, you know, I would pull, I would pull number numbers, but I'm just kind of doing this on the fly. I don't really, I don't. To me, this defense isn't better than the one you placed in phase played in Carolina. (laughs) Um, And I and I and look, numbers wise, they are. I mean, this defense is 12th in scoring, and Carolina was 29th. This this defense is better against the run, but I bring this up because top to bottom, I think Carolina's defense has been a little bit hurt by um by their offense, and, and right. I think they I think that's why some of their numbers are askew. Because I look through this now, Kendall Fuller can play, and I'm not taking anything away from him, but yeah, I look through this defense week. and. I don't see I don't see necessarily a better 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 corners than Dante Jackson and JC Horn at Carolina. You played in Carolina. I don't yeah. see better linebackers like Shaq Thompson, Frankie Louvu, and Corey Littleton. I think those guys are just as good of as Cole Holcomb and Jamon Davis and Bostic and Mayo. Um now up front, I think there's that now now let now let's get up front. Let's talk about yeah. this this front four. Because this mm-hmm. front four is they got some players. Now they yeah. haven't played great at times this year, though. That's the thing. Okay. This front, their front four, um, you know, they've they've got some they've got some sack numbers between them where there's uh basically a third I mean, they got about 19 sacks in their front four. So that's that mm-hmm. that's that's good. That can get after yeah. it. But you look at, you know, Derrick Brown. I, I mean, hell, I don't know about Derrick Brown. To me, is, is one of the best defensive tackles in the league. Oh, um, for sure. So, so and Brian Burns is a guy that's gotten after it. You know, and 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 you looked at his numbers coming in. His numbers were very similar to one, those of Montez Sweat. But Chase Young's return is going to be uh, interesting. And I don't talking to some people up there. I don't necessarily think that Chase Young is going to play as much. You know, he's just he just got activated off the IR. He's now he, he will play this week. Okay. Uh, well, he's set to be active this week. Right. But I'm not sure how much they're going to play him. He might just be in on passing situations, which is still not good for us. Right. But, <laughs> but um, I I think that we can look. It, we've been saying it all year, and I know this is just a first look. But they're going to do what these teams have done lately against us and try to stack the box once we establish the run early in the game. Right. And if they want to do that, that's fine. We still we got to be able to throw the ball. And that's where I, I really need some more from Drake, 
could Daryl Hodge is a guy I'm going to look for some stuff from, but but really I need Cordero to come alive. Uh, maybe Alameda can find some of that early season magic that he had. Um, and, you know, he's this guy's got 25 catches, but I really haven't seen a lot from him lately. So maybe Alameda can get back into it as well. But defensively, yeah, they're, um, they've got a good front four. Uh, I think their front four is the strength of their defense. I, I don't think they're as good from the back seven as, as as we've seen teams like Carolina. I think they're good, but I don't think they're near as right. good in the back seven. I think this is a front four dominant defense, and I, I do believe they're they're susceptible. I mean, they are 12th in the league against the pass, but I think they're susceptible in the back end if we could if we can get some protection. But that's easier said than done, and that's been our mm-hmm. our issues up front is, is pass protection. Uh, you, you took the words right out of the mouth. I was just about to say this is going to be a week where, again, you're going to have to get some good protection. And if you do that, you can definitely have some success. Like last week, you got some good protection, and you were able to have some success in the passing game as well. Mariota made some big passing plays, and he made some big throws. Receivers made some big catches. But, again, it's going to have to start with the protection. And, you know, this this front four that you just talked about is definitely, in my opinion, better than the Chicago Bear front four you just faced. So, you're going to have a step up in competition a little bit. And the good thing about facing Carolina twice is already is that hopefully you should be ready for a front four like that. Because like you said, they're they're similar to Carolina in some ways where they have bigger guys on that front four, but they aren't as big and maybe are, aren't as dominant as the guys in Carolina. So hopefully you, with you playing Carolina twice, you can kind of have some familiarity and you know how you need to come out against those guys and they won't catch you by surprise. I mean, Nobody on that uh, should catch my surprise anyway. But again, with having kind of that fam- familiarity with Carolina, you should hopefully kind of set yourself self up for you knowing what to expect against the Washington Commanders. I do want to flip over to the offensive side of the football for Washington. And um, I want to talk about the, the the quarterback here real quick, Taylor Heineke, because he's been ever since he took over for uh, injured Carson Wentz, you know, Carson Wentz is actually he's getting healthy now and they're still going to ride with Taylor Heineke. It looks like. Are you are you are you more scared of Taylor Heineke than you would be Carson Wentz? Not to say that either one is necessarily scares you or keeps you up at night. But I mean, when Taylor Heineke was in Carolina, that was a completely different situation, completely different team. The 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 Falcons had some success against him and the Carolina Panthers. But again, he's been playing well with the commanders these past few games. Um, I believe they're on, a, I have their schedule pulled up here. They're on a, they've won one, two, three, four, four out of their last five games. Only slip up was to the Vikings, which they lost in a close one, 20 to 17. So they've been on a little hot streak. Um, are you scared of, are, are there any particular things about Taylor Heineke that scares you at all? He can make plays with his feet. Um, do you rather so wish it was Carson Wentz out there than Taylor Heineke? <laughs> Yeah, I do wish it was Carson Wentz over Taylor, Taylor Heineke um, for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is I just I I, I think I'm, I I don't I'm just not a big not a big Carson Wentz guy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I mean, for the season he's completed Wentz has has completed sixty two percent of his passes for you know just under 1500 yards which doesn't really mean you know, 10 touchdowns six picks he'll throw you the ball a little bit hell yeah. taylor heineke will throw the ball too he's yeah. he's thrown four interceptions to to his five touchdowns in what four four games i think and he's completing 
60%. So the thing that, that gets me about Heineke is he's a, the team loves him. He's a leader and the team buys in him. I don't think Carson Wentz is a leader. I think everywhere Carson Wentz has been, it's shown he's not a leader. He's Mm -hmm. not a team kind of team guy for whatever reason. He's not a locker room guy and guys don't respond to him. They're responding to Taylor Heineke. That bothers me because they believe in him, and and and, and that is that is dangerous. Um, but to me, it's an offense again, a lot like you saw last week, with a limited quarterback in the pocket, mm-hmm. but a guy that can make that can burn you with his feet, and and with Heineke more. Look, Justin Fields is an elite runner with yeah. the ball in his hands. I don't think Taylor Heineke is that. I just think that Taylor Heineke, as we've seen last year against this team, that he can he can keep plays alive. He right. can, you know, kind of, for whatever reason, create a good scramble, scramble drill and, and find guys. Like he found uh, at one point, I think he found Terry McLaurin last year um, late. And help helped uh, helped score in that game, and in, in fact, I think he and he kept a play alive with his feet and swung out the running back. I believe it might have been might have been McLaurin on the little screen, and and uh, uh, maybe it came back or whatever. I can't remember the the play. Maybe it was Gibson. Anyways, it helped him win the game last year. Yeah. But they do have some weapons and a tight end like Logan Thomas, and I, we mentioned Terry McLaurin. And, you know, they found Brian Robinson has come back, and they. This is this is really what scares me is them being able to run the ball um, against us. We've we've been susceptible to the run here recently. Um, you know we're twenty first in run defense, and I feel like those numbers have been a, it's it, it bloated a little bit based off of what Carolina did twi- right. two out of three games against you um, because Carolina was able to run the ball. I mean, going into the Carolina game, you were the eighth best rushing defense now you're the 21st now you've played two run heavy teams in a row because chicago was the best team that's something that we haven't really you know we haven't overly touched on chicago was the best rushing team in the league coming in and you held them 40 um i think 43 yards below their norm 40 42 yards basically below what what they were normally yeah so i I, you know to, to say all that I, I do wish it was Wentz. I think Heineke just unites this team. Right. But you can – you were able to hold Justin Fields in check. You've got to do that. Same thing with Heineke. You've got to make him pat the ball, hold it, maybe get there. You got home at least four times. He's not as big as Justin Fields. You should – you know, Justin Fields is 6'3", um, 230. Heineke is a 6'1", 210. So they're not the same side. They're both – they're not – I mean, he's not a small guy, but yeah. he's an easier guy to bring down. For and that sure. was the only reason why he didn't have seven or eight sacks against Phils is because mm-hmm. he's a little bit harder physically imposing guy to bring down. So, I, I you know, I'd say all that long-windedness and say, yeah, I wish Wentz was still playing, <laughs> but I still am not terrified. This, no. this team hasn't ran the ball great all year. Um you know, they, they haven't thrown the ball great all year. Offensively, they're very pedestrian. Uh, yeah. And so you've got to make them pedestrian as much as you can. And, and, and we've, we've done this all year. Bend, don't break. you got to do that again. It feels like with this game, it comes down to really obviously being able to – it always comes down if, to whether you can pressure the quarterback or not. And whether you can – but really whether you can keep Taylor Heineke like you did with Justin Fields, 
keep him in the pocket, make him use his arm because his arm isn't, I mean, his, it's not the fact his arm talent isn't great, but I just don't think he's a, a elite defense reader or break down a defense or anything like that. Or attain a, a scary Terry. This game feels like it's going to come down to, can you limit the big plays of the couple playmakers that they do have? Because when you first think about the Washington Commanders, you think about Scary Terry McLaurin. You think about Gibson. You think about Brian Robinson. So can you limit those plays? Can you keep, like you did with Justin Fields, can you keep um, Taylor Heineke in the pocket to the point where you have to make him ready defense, have to make him make good throws, not let him get the off script improv plays? And can you, you know, can you shut down? Will A.J. Terrell be able to shut down um, uh, Scary Terry? You know, can you stop Brian Robinson from breaking off big games? Can you stop Antonio Gibson in the run game? And they like to use him in the pass game as well. Curtis Samuel is another guy to look out for, too. They like to use use him all over the field. They kind of like to use him as a, as a Debo type type player and a Cordell Patterson type player as well. So just limiting the couple of playmakers that they do have. If you can hold those guys, you know, and, and stop them from making big plays, this does feel like a very, very winnable game for the Atlantic Falcons, but it really does all start in the trenches this week. It does. And one, one final note, one yeah. final preview uh, from me and I, and I'm, I'm good. Yeah. Um, Taylor, uh, Taylor Heineke has played, I think four or five games this year for the, for, for Washington. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's got a thousand yards and five touchdowns um, in those games with four interceptions mm-hmm. in two games. Against the Falcons, remember he started last year as Wash for Washington, but he also played um, for Carolina one uh, for a few years, and yep. he started the game um, against the Falcons. Different regime, yes. But in two career games, he's completed fifty six out of eighty six for five hundred and sixty four yards with four touchdowns and three interceptions. Uh, he's also ran for another 76 yards on eight carries. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got 20 rushes this year for 62 yards. So he's hurt us yeah. in, on the ground and with his feet. Right. I mean, excuse me, with his uh, through the air. With, you know what? Let me start over. He's hurt <laughs> us with his arm and his legs. Right. And that is something that we need to that that you know that Dean Pease and uh the, the you know the, the defensive coach you know Frank Bush is telling his linebackers that you know um they 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 know what's going on here they they know that this guy um can 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 do a lot of the things that that Justin Fields did last week so Justin Fields is the perfect tune up to me to play a guy, guy like uh a Taylor Heineke yeah i mean he Justin Fields definitely gets you ready for a Taylor Heineke and you know he Taylor Heineke won't be as daunting of a task as to take it down just and feels like you were talking about earlier. So we shall see. Um, hopefully the Atlanta Falcons come up with another big win, get on a little winning streak here, make it two in a row, get to six and six. And something that we'll get into more on Friday is the fact that this thing, it, it, you know, you talked about this. You you brought this up earlier on um, uh, maybe a week ago or a few episodes ago. But the fact that the wild card is definitely not out of the question for the Atlanta Falcons. Of course, you you shoot to win in the division, but the wild card is not out of the question. And one of the teams that is literally directly above you is the Washington Commanders. That's why this also is a big game. You can jump ahead of them. 
and in the playoffs, you can have the head-to-head -head against them, and that could pay dividends later on in the year, probably will pay dividends later on in the year. And so this is a big game for a couple of reasons. You want to stay, you know, st trying to keep trying to catch up in the division, and, you know, you got to keep pacing the wild card too. So this is a big game for a few reasons for the Atlanta Falcons this uh, coming up Sunday. But that'll do it for this edition of Peachtree Football. We'll get more into, you know, kind of how this shapes out for the playoffs for the Atlanta Falcons and, you know, certain playoff scenarios for the Atlanta Falcons. We will uh, take a deep dive. We'll give you our matchups to watch. We'll give you our keys to the game. Uh, we'll give you Dylan's deciding factor as well. All that coming up on Friday right here on Peachtree Football. But make sure you guys like this podcast, download the podcast, subscribe to Peachtree Football. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast. Peachtree Football is there. Four. Bo Morgan, a.k.a. Squid Billy. I'm Dylan Matthews. Until we talk to you guys on Friday, have a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you too, Squid. Don't want to forget to mention that. Hopefully you get to eat a lot of uh, turkey and all your good stuff on the side too. And ham. I know you mentioned ham too. I, I didn't forget. Yeah, turkey I love some ham. good ham. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving, yeah. everybody, including you, Dylan. I know Thank you. uh, you're, uh, you're going to have a fun Thanksgiving, so that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's going to be a... Fun Thanksgiving uh, here, and we'll, we'll we'll have a good one, and we'll, we'll we'll maybe we'll even recap our Thanksgiving a little bit on Friday for you guys, and then on Black Friday. So that is when we will talk to you next. But until we talk to you guys, then peace.